If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tipped and up. intercepted by the Colts. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left. And the Colts are going to win. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. What was the earliest that you'd get up? Uh, between 2.30 and 3. Yeah, I'm out. I'm no thanks. It was really hard. I mean, what time did you go to bed? Well, I would split sleep. I was a moron about it. Because remember, I was still doing Pacers games at that point in time, too. So what I would do is I would come home at like 11 from work, and I would sleep from basically noon to 4, and then go back to sleep and sleep again from like... Impossible. 10.30 to 2.30. That's four sleep. So I would, yeah, I was you just had to sleep. I mean, I couldn't do that. I was a I zombie. Was, yeah. Wow. Good schedule. Lots of Lara Olverton. How are you? I like but, starting a segment like that, talking about your previous gig, like giving, giving are traffic we, are updates. We, are we in? Are we rolling? Updates. I'm trying are we to live? start right now. JJ Stanton. We'll do it live. To my left, Lara yeah. Overton to my right. I'm Jeffrey Gorman. This is the Colts official podcast brought to you by our friends at Win Las Vegas. You didn't have any schedule problems in your career ever where you had to work that odd, you know, getting up at 3.30. Or- no, nah, I mean, just, you know, sometimes flying back from a Notre Dame road game at 6 a.m., but nothing, you know, I wasn't on TV. I was just going on Southwest Airlines looking like a schmo. Never stopped groceries uh, overnight. No, no, I, I've had I've had honestly kind of like a pretty uh, charmed work life in that my summer job growing up was I umpired baseball oh, games. Yeah. We, and mean, then when I was in college, I, I worked for the Mizzou volleyball team. Did you ever run anybody? Oh, yeah. I Oh, man, I did. I ran I ran one parent. I was in I was a freshman in high school umping a seventh and eighth grade baseball game. And this this parent's giving it to me. Yeah, it was great. One of the highlights of my adolescence. This guy this guy's giving it to me because I called his kid out for running out of the base paths which he was, he was running on the infield grass. Can't do that. So I called him out and this dad's just giving it to me like, you didn't know the rules. You're, you're, you know, this is stupid. So I just, I finally went up to the, the manager and I was like, Hey, keep that parent in line and I'll keep the game going. If I keep hearing from him, the game's going to stop. So, you know, coach goes up, tells him whatever. Hey, please shut up. So the, the that dad does. needed to get back guy. Like <laughs> he, Sean did. he didn't need to get back guy. <laughs> you know? so he does. And so that, but then at the, uh, in between innings, I go to get some water at the water fountain and the dad comes right back up to me Uh-oh. again and starts chirping at me again. And I just, I didn't even, I just looked at him. I went back to the field. I went to the manager. I just called them both over. And I said, I'm not starting this game back up until he leaves. You're out of here. You gave me. And I gave, oh, I gave, gave I went in. I was like, because I, you know, you grew up watching baseball. Sure. You see Joe West do, you know, kind of oh, his, yeah. you know, you're out of here. That, that schmuck, you know, throw him out of here. Angel Hernandez, throw him out of here. So I was just, I gave it the full heave ho. And then I watched as this guy slowly walked across. And as soon as he was two feet off of park property, play ball. Nice. I love it. Highlight of my adolescence right there. This is great. I mean, this, <laughs> it's this, hilarious. I'm you know, just digging up some old stuff. Like I said, latte Lara, you know, I'm getting me. I know. I didn't even have a chance to get my latte today, today, but I mean, I would love to talk to you about some stuff that you've seen down in the track and field world as far as timing goes and cheating goes. (laughs) That's a whole nother podcast. Relay mishaps, you know, you and I would love to talk about it. I don't know if anyone else really has much interest. I know, but but we're not here for track and field and youth baseball, but although I did talk some track and field with Jonathan Taylor last week, so we can get into that. He can fly. I mean, flat out fly, right? He had some interesting perspectives. Interesting. 
things. Yeah. Speaking of that, 38-27 loss. I want to touch upon the New Orleans Saints. The day, the afternoon that Derek Carr had. The uh, the afternoon that uh, Shane Steichen keeps throwing up on these Sundays as far as the offense goes mm-hmm. in this. But, J.J., if I could start with you, I want to say one carry, one reception, yep. second half, and I'm talking about Jonathan Taylor. First half, it was great. Uh, Blaze of glory going crazy. Zach Moss had a naf- nice afternoon. But what happened in the second half as far as Shane Steichen's offense going featuring Jonathan Taylor? So I, I get it that JT had, what, 11 for 94 mm-hmm. at halftime? And then he is one for one in the second half. So I get I get the, the questions. I get the here. holding, you know, you know, asking Shane all these things. Absolutely, totally fair, all that. When you go through it, there weren't that many opportunities for Jonathan Taylor to get the ball. Maybe two to three other ch- chances for him to get a handoff in the second half. Based on the down and distance, based on then the score of the game, the, the, the issue, and I went through this on my five Colts things on Colts.com, was maybe you take maybe taking a you know an issue with Zach Moss getting five carries on the second possession of the second half, but he ripped off a 41-yard mm-hmm. carry on that, and I have a feeling that if Gardner Minshew doesn't throw an interception, uh, uh, what at the 33-yard line, that that play was on second and six, that if you convert a first down there, you probably would have seen Jonathan Taylor on the field after that, because Zach Moss had the 41-yard run. They went hurry up to keep the same personnel on the field. Moss carried again for four yards. Then after that, Minshew threw the pick. I think you probably would have seen JT out there because Moss had taken five carries. So that wasn't Shane Steichen's fault. That wasn't Jonathan Taylor's fault that there was the interception that took that away. Then when the Colts got, uh, they had a possession late in the third quarter where it went pass, pass, pass. That might have been the one where you say, okay, maybe you give JT the ball there. Be right. But once you throw an incomplete pass on first and 10, and by the way, on that first and 10 play, the Saints walked to safety down so the eight guys in the box. Colts ran a max protection play action and tried to throw a shot to Michael Pittman. It didn't work. But on that play, if you hand it off to Jonathan Taylor with eight guys in the box, that's not a very good play. Understood. I so I, I'm, just, I'm just saying down in distance, it's easy. When you things when you right when you just look at the box score, you're like, what the heck? Right. But when you actually go into it, it wasn't like Shane Steichen was just saying, yeah, you stay on the sideline. But like we got this and threw the ball a billion times. There just weren't that many opportunities based on the situation for him to get the ball. And this team always in it, Lara. We, we, we want to feature some guys like Ogletree, like, you know, Josh Downs having those days, what, what, what we saw out of Gardner Minshew. So we were in this thing for a while. Alec, Alec Pierce stepping up like mm-hmm. that. It was exciting, and that's what I'm trying to say on this thing. We're taking some losses back-to-back here and, and three in a row, et cetera. But boy, oh boy, he's got this team in it. It's a foundational year as far as I'm not, I'm not folding over or anything anything like that, but I'm talking about looking at years to come and what Shane Steichen is bringing this early in his career as a head coach. Exciting. I mean, you have to be excited. Still averaging the only team to get 20 points every game. Eight consecutive games scoring at least 20 points, which is the best streak since 2014. Nice. Read that yesterday. Asked Shane about that for Colts 360. And I think, too, one of the more impressive aspects of that is you look at the situations where 
where you obviously lost Anthony Richardson for the season. I think when you knew that was going to be a factor due to injury, I don't know that you would have anticipated this level of offensive production. Zach Moss missed the first game of the season. Jonathan Taylor missed the first four games of the season. Look at all of that and then comprehensively what you've been able to do. Keep in mind also the rotation of the offensive line where you've had Blake Freeland stepping up at both tackle positions with injuries to both Bernard Ryman and Braden Smith. I, I do think it's been really impressive with the tone that Shane has set, the identity that has started to be formed with this offense. Loved, especially in the fourth quarter where you saw that touchdown to Drew Ogletree. Looked like a broken play that ended up just kind of becoming backyard football. The confidence that Gardner had in Drew to just find a way. They were going really up-tempo with the offense at that point in time. Of course, part of it was because that was, as JJ said, the flow of the game that was dictating that. But loving how Shane is utilizing his players and in a variety in a variety of situations that look at guys like Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor, how much they're using as pass catching threats in mm-hmm. particular, Jonathan Taylor. That's a new facet that we're going to be able to see more and more developing in 2023 than we have necessarily in years past. Here are the top 10 scoring offenses in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read who they are with the quarterback they have, their primary starting quarterback, the Miami Dolphins to attack of Iloa, the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, San Francisco 49ers, Brock Purdy. So that's the top five. Number six, Indianapolis Colts, Gardner Minshew. Number seven, Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Number eight, Detroit Lions, Jared Goff. Number nine, LA Chargers, Justin Herbert. And number 10, Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence. Mm. So you are talking about some of the best quarterbacks in the league with some of the best offensive-minded head coaches and play callers in the league. Miami, you're looking at Mike McDaniel, what he's doing there is incredible. Philly, obviously, you know, that's where Shane was. Nick Sirianni there. Um, None of those are first-year head coaches either, right? uh, None of those are first-year head coaches because the most recent, it would be Mike McDaniel and, uh, I mean, Doug Peterson sort of counts, but not really. Second year. Yeah, second year. So uh, Ben Johnson in Detroit, their OC, is do, he's been doing a phenomenal job now for a couple of years. Jared Goff, also former number one overall pick. Mm. Don't forget that. So you're looking at a bunch of first-round picks. The Niners are kind of an outlier, but we know what Kyle Shanahan is. Brock Purdy's a lot better than people give him credit for. We're not getting into that discourse. And so, okay, so let's just run through this. First round pick, fourth round pick with Dak, second round pick with Jalen, first round pick with Buffalo, seventh round pick with San Francisco, first, 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 and then Gardner Minshew, who's a six. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to put that in context. Like if you came into the seat, nine of the top 10 offenses in the NFL are going to be Dolphins, Cowboys, Eagles, Bills, Niners. Like you get it. And And then you throw the Colts in there, you'd be like, wait, what? And and like eight of the 10 teams that you mentioned are playoff bound. I mean, roughly in that area, eight out of those 10 teams, you know? So that's where you get really encouraged with what Shane is doing. When you kind of zoom out and you look at the rest of the league. Jim Bob as well, too. Shane is always really good to include the work that Jim Bob is doing within the offense. Although he is the offensive play caller, there's a lot that goes to Jim Bob's credit in in terms of game plan and scheming things up. Also, Tony Sperano Jr. He's amazing. Just doing an incredible job. Like, Will Fries. Yeah. I know we talked about him a couple times in this podcast, but, like, he's he's not just playing, like, okay, he's not a weak link. Like, he's playing good. Like, good. L- listen, I, I'm with you on this, and we don't talk about Will, Will Fries, and that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, Blake Freeland's name was mentioned. I think the, the job that he's doing on top of Will Fries is doing, and, and, and you know, 
is amazing to think about this and yeah. this offense and doing it with a rookie tackle who's not afraid to flip flop. I mean, on, on both edges, it's like that's incredible. I mean, on top of everything that we're saying, three and five, I get the raw, I get the the, the win loss record. But putting up those numbers and doing them with Gardner Minshew and Blake Freeland and stuff like you know, and no Jonathan Taylor for four, and it's ridiculous. I mean, that that's what I'm saying. Zach like, Moss has uh, the second most rushing yards in the league, and he missed a game. It's like, crazy. And, and he, week in, week out, he is catching closer and closer to yeah, Christian McCaffrey. That's incredible. Like Zach Moss, even and he's splitting carries, missing a game and splitting carries. It's like oh, he got a little closer to Christian McCaffrey. Unreal. I mean, I'm just saying it's it's incredible the numbers that this team's putting up with the personnel that's around it right now, and that is what I'm taking away from this stuff. You know, we're going to look ahead too a little bit, but offensively, we spoke of what happened there. Defensively, mm-hmm. we had the drama of an NFL game. I want to go to you on this, Larry. I love it. When you see Zaire Franklin, the warrior, running back through the tunnel after the locker room visit, yeah. looking at the knee, coming back in, finishing with 14 tackles. Shaq Leonard finishing with 11 tackles. Some big plays. We saw Rodney Thomas. Boy, was, was that a robbery on an interception? Oh. No, it wasn't. Yes, it yeah. was. I mean, that sort of thing. But the drama of the defense and playing well and keeping them, you know, keeping this game alive and keeping the fans in the seat saying, hey, we can still squeak this one out. Again, incredible year for Zaire. Incredible. And Gus Bradley, I'm sorry. Putting up a lot of points on him like that, but still showing some exciting moments, especially during the home games. Zaire Franklin is such an Iron Man, such a warrior, you know, fighting through what he was on Sunday. It's something we talked about afterward in the locker and just asked him kind of how he was doing and if there was any doubt that he was going to do whatever it took to get back out there. Of course not with the type of season that he's having. Also want to put attention on what DeForest Buckner was able to do on Sunday. He leads the league among all defensive tackles and strip sacks this season. And you saw the the productive, the production that he was able to have. And think about this is without Grover Stewart and how much that you have had to rotate things up front because you had Grover in there. Obviously, Eric Johnson, the second, was there to step up. He's out due to injury. And then you have, you know, you had McTelvin Aguim stepping in. You've had Taven Bryan in there in certain situations. Like, you had this rotation next to Defoe. And for him to still be able to wreak havoc in the fashion that he is when you don't have Grover to attract some of that attention from opposing offenses, I think has been really impressive as well. And I talked to Shaq Leonard last week in the locker room about – how close he is because two weeks ago was really when we saw the most power, the most explosiveness that we have been able to see so far in really about two years from him. And he definitely said he's starting to feel more and more like himself. He's, you know, trusting himself more, feeling that that instinct is back, the reaction, you know, the, the quick movement, the quick movement is coming back. He's just re- really ready to carry that heavier workload on significant later down. And part of his game is turnovers, JJ. So yeah. when we're talking about Jack yeah. Leonard, let's go. Force those fumbles. Re- real quick, just to go back to Zaire, I just pulled this up. Uh, do you want to know who has the most tackles in NFL history through the first eight games of a season? Oh, in the history? Well, since 1987 was when tackles became an Party official. Hardy Nickerson. Season. Nope. Mm. A line, uh, Lawrence I, Taylor. Nope. Guys, it's Zaire Franklin. Oh. Really? 102 through eight games. That's tied with Zach Thomas for the most in NFL wow, history. Wow, that's since all the Okay. Stat. 
Pretty good, right? Yeah, you kind of lost. So there was a so, softball so, so, to us, and I missed it. And yeah, I mean, Lara on. fouled it off. Yeah. Struck you out on a softball. <laughs> there are like two two players in NFL history have had 100 tackles through eight games. Wow. And Zaire Franklin and Zach Thomas. But that was like, I, I talked about it. Him coming through the tunnel again and coming out there and making plays. That's the NFL. That was a little kid in me Why watching this. Zach Thomas was like thinking Zach Wilson, and I was so confused. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, wait, Zach, wait. And I'm like, Hall of Famer. I'm like, that, oh, yeah. I'm just like, well, you're like, well, I'm not Zach even, Wilson. I don't know. Yeah, I'm really the, missed on that one. The, the thing that really not the same at all. The thing I'm trying to like wrap my head around with the Colts defense is you're seeing individual players have really good right. performances games. Zaire, you know, we saw EJ have some good games. Kenny Moore's having some good games. Julian Blackman's having some good games. Buck, but ultimately you kind of are Quiddy Quiddy has, but Dio's had big moments. But yeah. you, you kind of are what. Your record is, and the Colts are dead last in the NFL in points per game allowed, twenty-eight point six. And where some, of, some of that, some of that is on the offense for giving short fields, you know, against the Bucks and uh, and the Browns. Where, where, but, well, I, I have to ask, right, guys, where are the chunk yard? Where is the, the the least area of the Colts defense? That needs to be addressed. Not the least, the most, I would say. I, I and where it, these teams are exploiting this defense to throw up huge numbers, huge yardage, 354 for Carr, you know, big numbers again, 38, 39 the, points given up, etc. The the thing that stuck out to me against the Saints was not necessarily that Tony Brown got put in the position to give up those those plays, the 50 yarders, all that. The Colts had four pressures on Derek Carr's 28 dropbacks. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr entered week seven as the third most, most pressured quarterback in the NFL. That, the, the Colts needed to get more pressure what on Derek Carr. was one of game. your best, if not the best defensive performance you had all season? It was in Baltimore when you drew up more pressures, yeah. more blitzes Le- Lamar, than you had in two years. Lamar had no time to throw in that game. And in this game, Derek Carr had oh. a lot of clean pockets, and he was able to kind of pick apart a secondary that was depleted. And to me, that's where you needed to get more. It wasn't necessarily the same. Like, like Buck said after the game, like we can't hang those guys out to dry. Like you can't hang Tony Brown and Jalen Jones out to dry when Derek Carr can sit back there, identify matchups, and not feel pressure consistently. To I mean that you know the play that he threw to Shahid that sealed the game. Gus brought a blitz on that, but it didn't create a whole lot of pressure. And Carr saw that one-on-one matchup on the outside and said, "I'm taking it." Right. So th- that the the D line needs to help out the cornerbacks a little bit more. And the corners need to help the D-line out, too. It's kind of a symbiotic relationship. But in that game against the Saints, I, I needed to see more from the D-line. Lara, weird one coming up. Um, not weird one, but I wanted to look at the two head coaches uh, of the next game mm-hmm. and what their, like, what their mindset is. Like, Shane Steichen says, hey, I'm playing Carolina. Hey, Frank used to be here. I don't give a rip. You know what I mean? And I mean, respectfully, meaning I don't give a rip. It's, yeah, it's she, not a big storyline. Frank also overlapped in with sure. the Chargers. So they do so have they, that yes. sort of history. Now, yes. on the flip side Works of that, together with, yeah, the, the flip side of that, Frank wants to torch this place. And I mean that with love, but I'm just saying the, these coaches, these ex-coaches that come in and coach against their former team, you know, they want to hang 50 on them like that. What is uh, what, what? I just want to ask you, because I know you have a great relationship yeah. still with Frank Reich and, and Frank Wright's family and stuff like that. What's that going to be for him at home, coming off a win, finding out that the quarterback can really play down there, and then facing your your, your former team? I think Frank is so good about compartmentalizing. And, you know, it's. It, I think about when 
he in previous situations he's he, when you've been in the NFL as long as you have as long as he has it's inevitable that you're going to have these type of situations where you face teams that you've been with previously you are facing coaches who you were previously coaching with think about the Jacksonville matchup when he was going head to head with Doug Peterson, a coach who yeah. you know he respects. Not that Frank Kidd obviously coached in Jacksonville, but there that's just a common thread that you have in every single NFL season. You think about the whole narrative where it's like, oh, it's Josh McDaniels versus Bill Belichick. And it's always those storylines that people like to draw in certain situations, right? Any sort of commonalities, which the tight circle of the NFL, you have those nearly each and every week, right, um, across the league. I just think that Frank is great about being like, what I want to do is put my team in the best position possible. We're going to call the best game. We're going to prepare the best we can. And we're just going to – it's going to be competitive. And he also, like, as much as Frank is, you know, building something in Carolina and wanting to find success there, wanting his team to be successful there, I also know that he wants Shane to be successful here. He wants the best for those guys in the locker room who he absolutely loves. Think about the amount of time and, you know, just the years and seasons and what they've been through with guys like DeForest Buckner and Shaq Leonard and Zaire Franklin and Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Frank had a hand in drafting. Sure. The majority of the guys who are the pillars of this locker room, you know, I, he loves the heck out of, you know, Ryan Kelly and, and all of those people. I, so I think that there certainly people will draw on their conclusions about certain feelings, this or that. But I ultimately think that just knowing Frank as well as I do and knowing Shane as well as I do, these guys absolutely respect each other and know that, hey, the guy across the field from me is probably going to make me a better coach because I'm going to have to be on top of my game to put my players in the best position to ultimately come out with the result that we want. JJ, winnable games. This team is 3-5. and We're talking about going to Carolina, got their first win. Then talking about, which I want to get into with both of you, Hey, we're going to flip the switch. Talk about a couple of road games real quick. You come back from Carolina a couple days later, Germany bound yeah. for this team. And uh, so I'm saying, you know, you get this thing to five and five and beyond yeah. after that, anything can happen. So, I, you know, just looking ahead in the next couple of weeks particular. Yeah, I think these next two games are, are big just for where the Colts can be coming out of the bye, right? Like if you're five and five coming out of that bye week where you get a chance to, to rest, maybe figure some stuff out, uh, particularly on defense, just, you know, putting guys in positions to, you know, maybe not have uh, situations like we saw against New Orleans. Um, you're feeling okay about where this team is in the playoff race, but you drop any one of these two games and now you're at, you know, you're at four and six right. and you're not saying the season's over yet, but you're, that's an uphill climb right. at four and six. Five and five is a lot different. The The only thing I, you know, I keep having people tell me, oh, these games are winnable. These games are winnable. And the thing we do need to remember is that the teams the Colts are playing are viewing the Colts as a winnable game too. This is a team that hasn't done enough to say, man, that's you know, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to every NFL game is hard and this Colts offense certainly presents a lot of challenges, but you know, Carolina might be looking at us and saying, that's a winnable game. New England's looking at us and saying, that's a winnable game just like we're looking at them and saying those are winnable games. Right, hopeful good weather down there, Lara. Looking forward to going to Carolina and then flipping over to Switch and going right to Germany it's in the a, next few days. It's a wild week you and a half coming. It starts today. I it mean, is, it's really, it really is. I'm just glad that we don't have to wait until like the second Sunday of December for a bye week this yeah, time. Right. Because the Colts had had the latest possible bye at least two years in a row. Yeah. I can't remember what happened in 2020 because I can't remember 
that um, entire season really like yeah. it's a blur. But uh like twenty one and twenty two, we were looking at these like latest possible bye week. So the fact that your bye week is instead falling at mid-November, I like the look of that too, in terms of getting guys healthy, coming back off the bye, playing at home, going into late November all the way through December to position yourself. Because yeah, it's a winnable schedule moving forward. I think that the Carolina game is nice too. You get a four o'clock kickoff, right. you got a little later afternoon scenario, and then you come back and you know by Thursday night, you're headed over to Germany to face the Patriots in Frankfurt. I'm going to sleep for like three days straight during the bye week. Okay, I'm wrapping things ah, up now. Tell your, tell your twins that. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, I'm going to drop them at daycare, and then okay. I'm going to go home and sleep. Okay. Uh, a couple of questions for you guys, and we're going to call it quits because we're coming back next week after a win in Carolina. Would you ever go back to uh, doing weather or morning uh, <laughs> television <laughs> anytime? Just think about it. Whatever happens in the NFL, and I know you're in a different place, but would you ever – a good morning football or something like that. Is it like get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and – go to work what i never did weather i'm not qualified to do weather you have to have like a meteorological certification oh, bull crap. i've heard you in the morning go hey it's gonna be a nice day it'll be a busy <laughs> name lara overton and, and you know safe uh drives. oh the, the more well are you trying to are you hinting at something no, are you trying to usher me out is this like hey take a hint lady you not know at all. Uh, at the door. would you do it again because i'm coming back to you don't no no uh well you and i had always uh flirted show. with the idea of having our own morning show Bye, i think everybody. we should i know welcome to welcome no welcome to good morning indiana I think it yeah. is a show actually out there, but you, I'd have perfect hair and it would yeah. have a uh, p- person. Only for you. Oh, what, you're the only uh, person I'm getting up early today, for. Today, let's yeah. go to the Salvation Army. What's, you know a, what what's I mean? on the coffee cups that you guys have? Oh, pictures of us both. Just cheesy. And, oh, yeah. You know, maybe touching heads like, oh, they get their coffee in the morning. They're so oh, we've got some, zany. Hold on. Yeah. We've got some great promo shoots, too. Yeah. I wonder if I can pull those up. I have seen those enough. promo shoots. They are oh, fantastic. Back you, back. You, you yeah. Don't even have to, yeah, have to get new ones. Yeah. Yeah. They're like in front of our skyline over here, too. So it's like a perfect little. Okay. Talk to Cindy from the Indie Humane. And society. it's cooking with Carol coming I mean, up later. We got you dogs know? in here today. So this isn't a Colts themed morning show. This is no, just you guys no, doing the morning no. show. This is brought to you by some auto dealership and <laughs> All right. you know stuff yeah. like that. This yeah, is yeah. off the NFL trail. We're uh, working a, on a whole right play now. presented by Toyota Muncie. <laughs> We're working on six months NFL and six months off the NFL beat. Perfect. And coming back, Lara Overton and I morning morning show. What do you I would think? watch it. Okay, will you ever go back to umpiring? Serious question. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I hey, you could. I I could. I could. I'd be better than Angel Hernandez. Um, I would go back Shade. only if, only if like the when my kids are in like T-ball or little league, only if there was like an emergency. It's like we would have an umpire. Gotcha. Because man, I don't. I've forgot a lot of stuff about the rules of baseball since I had stopped umpiring. I think, I think that uh, parent would argue I didn't know him in the first place. Yeah, he would be incorrect. <laughs> you call your kid safe even though he gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I honestly, honestly, I'd probably be even like harder. So when I was a kid, I had a birthday party, and my dad rented out like a like a elementary school gym, and we went and played basketball. And my dad called a three feet violation on me, like I was too close to the baseline for the inbound. And he was like refereeing it and he called a three feet violation. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, that's the rule. And I was like, it's my birthday. <laughs> but probably, probably good because then I, you know, stickler for the rules when it comes to umpiring. So, you know. I know you ran a guy that was still incredible. Um, 
JJ, winnable games. This team is three and five. We're talking about going to Carolina, got their first win. Then talking about, which I want to get into with both of you, hey, we've got to flip the switch. Talk about a couple of road games real quick. You come back from Carolina a couple days later, Germany bound yeah. for this team. And uh, so I'm saying, you know, you get this thing to five and five and beyond yeah. after that, anything can happen. So, I, you know, just looking ahead in the next couple of weeks particular. Yeah, I think these next two games are, are big just for where the Colts can be coming out of the bye, right? Like if you're five and five coming out of that bye week where you get a chance to, to rest, maybe figure some stuff out, uh, particularly line defense, just, you know, putting guys in positions to, you know, maybe not have uh, situations like we saw against New Orleans. Um, you're feeling OK about where this team is in the playoff race, but you drop any one of these two games and now you're at, you know, you're at four and six right. and you're not saying the season's over yet, but you're, that's an uphill climb right. at four and six. Five and five is a lot different. The, the only thing I, you know, I keep having people tell me, oh, these games are winnable. These games are winnable. And the thing we do need to remember is that the teams the Colts are playing are viewing the Colts as a winnable game, too. This is a team that hasn't done enough to say, man, that's you know, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to every NFL game is hard, and this Colts offense certainly presents a lot of challenges. But you know, Carolina might be looking at us and saying that's a winnable game. New England's looking at us and that, that's a winnable game, just like we're looking at them and saying those are winnable games. Right, hopeful good weather down there, Lara. Looking forward to going to Carolina and then flipping over to switch and going right to Germany. It's in the a next few days. it's a wild week you, and a half it starts coming today. I it mean, is, it's really it really is. I, I'm just glad that we don't have to wait until like the second Sunday of December for a bye week this yeah, time right. because the Colts had had the latest possible bye at least two years in a row. Yeah. I can't remember what happened in 2020 because I can't remember. That um, entire season really like yeah. it's a blur, but uh, like twenty one and twenty two, we were looking at these like latest possible bye weeks. So the fact that your bye week is instead falling at mid November, I like the look of that too. In terms of getting guys healthy, coming back off the bye, playing at home, going into late November all the way through December to position yourself because yeah, it's a winnable schedule moving forward. I think that the Carolina game is nice too. You get a four o'clock kickoff, right. you got a little later afternoon scenario, and then you come back and. You know, by Thursday night, you're headed over to Germany to face the Patriots in Frankfurt. I'm going to sleep for like three days straight during the bye week. Okay, I'm wrapping things ah, up now. Tell your, tell your twins that. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to drop them at daycare and then okay. I'm going to go home and sleep. Okay. Uh, a couple of questions for you guys and we're going to call quits because we're coming back next week after a win in Carolina. Would you ever go back to uh, doing weather or morning uh, <laughs> television <laughs> anytime? Just think about it. Whatever happens in the NFL and I know you're in a different place, but would you ever a uh, good morning football or something like that? Is it like get up at three o'clock in the morning and go to work what i never did weather i'm not qualified to do weather you have to have like a meteorological certification oh, bull crap. i've heard you in the morning go hey it's gonna be a nice day it'll be a busy name lara overton and, and you know safe uh, oh the, the more well are you trying to are you hinting at something Jeffrey? No, are you trying to usher me not out is this like hey take a hint lady you not know at all. Uh, the uh, door. would you do it again because i'm coming back to you don't no no uh well you and i had always uh morning flirted show. with the idea of having our own morning show Bye, i think everybody. we should i know welcome to welcome no welcome to good morning indiana I think it yeah. is a show actually out there, but yeah. I'd have perfect hair and it would yeah. have a uh, p- person. Only for you. Oh, you're what's, the what's only uh, person I'm getting up early. Today, for. let's yeah. go to the Salvation Army. What's, what's, what what's on the coffee cups that you guys have? Oh, pictures of us both. Just cheesy. And, oh, yeah. You know, maybe touching heads like, oh, they get their coffee in the morning. They're so oh, we've got some. Zany. Hold on. Yeah. We've got some great promo shoots, too. Yeah. I wonder if I can pull those up. I have seen those enough. promo shoots. They are oh, fantastic. Yeah. Don't even have to get new ones. Yeah. Yeah. They're like in front of our skyline. 
byline over here too, so yeah. it's like coming a perfect little. We're okay. Talk to Cindy from the Indie Humane, and Society. it's cooking with Carol coming I mean, up later. It. We got you dogs know? in here today. So this isn't a Colts themed morning show. This is no, just you guys no. doing the morning no, show. This is brought to you by some auto dealership and <laughs> all right, you know stuff yeah. like that. This yeah, is yeah. off the NFL trail. Uh, a whole right play now. presented by Toyota Muncie. We're working on six months NFL and six months off the NFL beat. Perfect. Back, Lara Overton and I, morning morning show. What do you I would think? watch it. Okay, will you ever go back to umpiring? Serious question. <laughs> uh, you know what? I hey, you could. I, I could. I could. I'd be better than Angel Hernandez. Um, I would go back Shame. only if. Only if, like, the when my kids are in, like, T-ball or Little League, only if there was, like, an emergency. It's like, we don't have an umpire. Gotcha. Because, man, I don't – I forgot a lot of stuff about the rules of baseball since I had stopped umpiring. I think, I think that uh, parent would argue I didn't know him in the first place. Yeah, he would be incorrect. <laughs> you call your kid safe even though he gets – Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I honestly, honestly, I'd probably be even, like, harder. So, when I was a kid, I had a birthday party, and my dad rented out, like, a, like a elementary school gym, and we went and played basketball. And – my dad called a three feet violation on me. Like I was too close to the baseline for the inbound and he was like refereeing it and he called a three feet violation. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, that's the rule. I was like, it's my birthday. (laughs) But probably, probably good because then I, you know, stickler for the rules when it comes to umpiring. So, you know, I know you ran a guy that was still incredible. Um, uh, there's so much to talk about off the field with you guys in your careers. And Oh, Lara found, <laughs> Lara found something. Hold on. If you can show the camera. I will. I do want to say about, you You. You. you brought up a. There it is. For our, for our audio <laughs> listeners, this is why you're going to want to tune into the YouTube show. All right, I got to see this one, Lara. Which one? How cheesy are we? Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the picture I like to pull yep. up for Gorman's birthday. He, you know, she's about doing, you know, that's almost like a sitcom thing. She's about doing business the right way. He's about, you know, finding another goofball to hang with. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's our sitcom right there. Um, my, uh, I, <laughs> I can't even say anything. I swear, this sounds, this is off the football trail. And, and, and again, find out what the latest is happening with these two who are following this team closer than anybody at Lara Overton at JJ Stankovitz at Colts.com but I wanted to end with this guys this is a true story JJ said my dad rented out the gym for a birthday party which is awesome which is an incredible thing for a youngster and everything and I thought about it because I was thinking about it two days ago when I was a kid kid and I'm talking about like 10 you know, 10, not even 12, that's too old, 8 to 10, I used to watch at an, at an elementary school that was by the street, donkey basketball. And they what? rented the gym, and they played basketball on the back of donkeys. What? I swear, it was Excuse donkey. me? Uh, can, I want to know. Yeah, you can see that. This sounds like a morning show it's, thing. It's sal- another morning show thing, but donkey basketball was a thing. I swear to God, there'd be 12 burrows or more in this gym with hay everywhere and a basketball <laughs> that you had to dribble or not dribble. <laughs> I'd also like to point out, you grew up in Michigan, like suburban donkey, Michigan. Yeah, so, no, no, no. Yeah. This, this must Don- be a Midwest thing because WCCO thing. Minnesota. And then, and then they had a thing... I never saw it, but I saw the advertising yeah. for it. They had diving donkeys, meaning these poor things. Yeah, look at them. Yeah. Look at them. JJ pulling it up on YouTube. Slam donkey it. Oh. That's incredible. But anyway, oh, that guy just made a swish off the back of a donkey. I me when he said rent a gym. I went right for some reason. By the way, being you, you, you calling them uh, burrows. Yeah. So in our, uh, we have a little, you know, work fantasy football league here with the Colts just for bragging rights. Yeah. 
Brian Mitchell, who does a lot of the uh, video board stuff that you guys like watching during games, like paint a player and all that, his team name is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, okay. Just and a... it's just a photo of a donkey. <laughs> also known as a jackass, Lara. I was actually yes, going, I, mean... I was actually, I was, I didn't know where we were on the rating on this podcast, so I didn't know uh, if I could drop uh, Garmin, that, Garmin, did, yeah. we, you, uh, you had a little cuss word on the pod last week, but I got uh, we, we had a great, uh, great sound effect. We just had like a honk oh, really? over it. Horse bleep. Sorry yeah. about that. You know when I know when it's time to go? When Kimberly behind the camera is going, let's go, guys. Wrap it up right now. <laughs> at Larry yeah. Overton, at JJ Stankovitz, I'm Jeffrey Gorman. Remember, Colts.com for the latest and greatest news. Carolina Panthers coming up. Carolina is on our mind. Sorry, James Taylor, but the latest and greatest news is coming at you on Colts.com. And follow these two for the latest information from the huddle as we get closer to game time. All right, guys, we're going to do it again before the German game and find out what our schedules look like because we're going to Europe in a couple of weeks. We will talk to you then.